Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. Will get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over. And Carolina has won the game. Finley to throw. Over the middle. Intercepted. Wolfuck again. Wolfuck the other way. At the 30. The 40. Wolfuck to midfield. Miles Wolfuck with the pick. The heels on the doorstep of an enormous victory. Left side of the line. Hood standing to Williams' is right. Williams going to throw. One-on-one. Davis has it. Touchdown. Carolina wins. Carolina is the Coastal Division champion. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's going to take it for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? Connor Barth for the possible win. Snap. Spot. Kick away. High enough. Long enough. Tough Blog Podcast. Hey guys, and welcome in to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. And for the first time in two weeks, it feels so good that we are doing a preview of a game. Carolina getting ready to take on Boston College this Saturday in Chestnut Hill, Massachusetts. And we're here to preview that as well as talk about a couple of other things that have happened. While Carolina has been off, we're going to get into a discussion as to who is the biggest challenger outside of Notre Dame to Carolina's chances to get to the ACC championship game against Clemson because yet again, we have said this many times on the show, we are not doubting the Clemson Tigers anytime soon. They have been just uh, a machine and out of the gate look like they are not going to miss a beat once again. So we'll talk about that. Um, but first of all, you know, I think uh, we, we got to at least mention the fact that, you know, Carolina back in action. Um, you know, we're still kind of taking this you know, day by day because we just really don't know what's going to happen. But it feels like for the first time in a while, Carolina is going to be able to get on the field and play a game this Saturday. Yeah, that's the hope. I mean, uh, as of right now we're recording, it's Wednesday. The Charlotte game got canceled Thursday morning right before that Saturday game. So, you know, anything is still possible. But as of right now, you're preparing as you got a game to play on Saturday, and it's a big one. It's your first time on the road during this pandemic season. You're at an ACC team that you're not very familiar with, and they've got a whole new coaching staff and a whole new right. Um, they've got they got a whole you know, quarterback and everything like that. So even what you've seen on film and from the past years, that's not the same team that you're going to see on Saturday. So they got to test ahead of them. But it just does feel good to get on here and talk as if we got a game to play because they haven't played in almost three weeks, and um, it's it's you know it's been fun watching the SEC come back at some of these other schools but Carolina, you know, that's what we want to watch them play because that's what we're here for. Yeah, and it's still it's still not the same to be watching these games and not having 
a Carolina game to write about, right. a Carolina game to talk about, get mad about, get be happy about, um, and you know that's the thing. So hopefully we get you know hopefully we're gonna get that on Saturday because it, it'll it'll feel good to get down and watch this team try to improve from what we saw against them Syracuse three weeks ago. Well, we're not gonna try to bring you down with the thoughts of a potential chance that the game uh, could always get canceled. That's something you're gonna have to just live with mm-hmm. throughout the entire year. But we're gonna just go in. Boston College on Saturday. Uh, you got to go on the road again. No fans, so not a, a tough environment that you got to go to. You know, you mentioned this when we were kind of talking through where this game was at on the schedule. It's going to be 64 degrees and sunny there. Beautiful. It's not going to be a challenging environment to go into. This looks like it's setting up for Carolina's skill against Boston College's skill. And you would think on paper Carolina's probably got the edge. Um, but, you know, there's some areas where Boston College is really good. Carolina is, uh, you know, having their struggles early on in the season. And, um, you know, I think the biggest factor and the thing we got to talk about first when we talk about this game is that this team is pretty much restarting their 2020 season. You, of course, you know, basically basically had a trial run against Syracuse to open the season, but it almost feels like you're going to see some of those first game issues because, yeah, you're basically restarting. You're going off of a game against a Syracuse team that really wasn't all that good. And you're, I mean, look, there's there's a couple of pieces on this team that will be different than they were when this team took the field against Syracuse. So, you know, how concerned are you going into this game that this is going to play like a first game of the season? I mean, there's, you, you know, you're concerned because that's what's going to happen. I don't expect Carolina to come out and be in midseason form and roll over and beat yeah. this team by three touchdowns. Yeah. They may do what they did against Syracuse where in the fourth quarter they've worn them down to that point where they do it. But I think you're going to see a lot of what you saw against Syracuse, which is just an offense that won't be in full rhythm. And you're just going to see them just try to work through the kinks because they haven't played. And, you, you know, we always talk about you can't simulate and practice what happens in the games. And I think we know yeah. that. I think I think we're going to learn that so much during this year because this is such – this could happen at any point where you're just not going to play every week. And so, they you know, they're going to have to work through that. But, I mean, the good thing is that you probably got Izudu coming back to your offensive line. Right. You're going to feel a lot more comfortable being able to run the ball. You're going to feel a lot better about being able to keep Sam Howell upright. So, um, maybe the defense comes out and plays that great again. And then that, I mean, then you'll feel a lot of encouraged because I've been on the record saying they're not going to play that good consistently this year. Oh, yeah. I, and, I don't I don't think that should not be the expectation. Right. I think uh, there's a chance because they've got a lot of talent there. But the biggest thing about it is is the depth is going to be the concern mm-hmm. on defense. If you can't keep all those guys healthy, you're going to start to see the defense, um, you know, start to get, start to get back to, you know, having some of those games where they're going to let up points and the offense is going to have to come through. You should still be confident in what the offense brings to the table. And I think, you know, one of the biggest concerns that we talked about after that first game, and we really hammered it in that recap podcast, was the offensive line play. But I think, you know, one of the guys that used to write for GoHeels.com, one of our friends of the podcast, Pat James, he put it uh, you know, a, a pretty well to a fan that kind of asked him, uh, you know, about his concerns with the offensive line. He said, you know, look, we it wasn't a great start, but we can't really judge this until Izudu comes back because that then you're going to have the complete offensive line. We know that, you know, from what we saw last year, from what we heard in the offseason, Joshua Zudu is the starter at left guard, and there's no doubt about it. Unless there is He's an injury, he will kick out 
Um, yeah, I, I would say so. I think he's developed into your best yeah. lineman. I thought last year, m- midseason, Marcus McKeithen was your guy, and I still think McKeithen is very is, is, is yeah. very talented. Yes, Charlie Heck, of course. Um, but yeah, Zudu uh, is definitely uh, the most talented guy. I mean, you can move him through three, probably four different spots. I think if they had to play him at right guard for some reason, they could do that as well. Uh, the only area he hasn't taken snaps at is center, and even then, I think if you put him there, he probably could succeed there as well. But um, yeah, I think you know w- with them adding him back, I'm going to be interested to see what this offensive line looks like because this is a game against the Boston College defensive line that doesn't really have the stars um maybe not names that you know some of the you know more in the the more into it you are for college football you may know some of the names Marcus Valdez has gotten off to a good start for Boston College Luke Paquette is a name that should ring some bells for people he used to play uh at California was a guy that started there now is playing uh at Boston College on their defensive line so I mean there are some guys up front that can make some things happen and I think the biggest thing that people have to realize in this game I mean Carolina gets one of their biggest pieces back but this Boston College defensive line is is a better unit altogether than the one that Syracuse presented in that first game and had a lot of success success with especially early on in that first game Carolina's offensive line in this game one of the keys that I talked about in in the article that is up right now on the website to preview the game they have got to be better on the offensive line or it's going to be a long day yeah they they've got to be able to establish control at the line of scrimmage in the first quarter, not mm-hmm. in the fourth quarter like they did against Syracuse because you this team can run the ball first if the offensive line allows them to. You would prefer to run the ball first and open up your passing right. game with everything that we saw last year. You know they're going to put a lot of focus on Newsom and Brown. The way that you can hurt them is by running the ball, making them have to play one-on-one defense yeah. to still take away the run. And so they couldn't do that against Syracuse where there was not enough confidence in the guys to line up on first and second down and run the ball yep. that you force Sam Howell to throw more on early downs. And not saying that he's uncomfortable, but that's just not the way that they want to play. And they shouldn't have to because you've got two 1,000-yard backs in your backfield. You yeah. should want to run the football first, but you're not going to keep running. 1,000 total yards. Right. You're, but you don't want to You don't want to run and just gain two yards every time because that's, that's not efficient and effective football. So they got to get a better push up front. Right. The, the, you know, the communication's got to get better, but that'll work in time. Maybe in practice, I've been able to iron some of that stuff up with with their protections and stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, Boston College does, may not have the talent they've had in the past few years. They're still better than Syracuse up front, so it's going to be a different challenge right. for Carolina on Saturday. I mean, their defense is still very good. Yeah, I mean, it's still you a look, Boston College you, you look defense. At, at, at the defensive averages here. I mean, both sides. I mean, this could be a defensive game. I mean, I can't believe that stat, those stats for Carolina. Now, that is based on just one game, two games for Boston College's defense, but they're allowing thirteen and you know thirteen and a half points per game in you know around three hundred and thirty yards of total offense to opponents. Boston College is pretty much what they've been in the mm-hmm. past. They want to play good defense and you know find enough offensive plays in a game to be able to push them over the top. That's yep. what they want to do. That's how it's worked in the past. It's gotten them to bowl games. Yep. But what they want is to take that next step. And I got to admit, I am kind of shocked that Jeff Halfley has gotten off to a 2-0 start. I thought that game out of the gate against Duke, they looked really good because I thought when I saw that game on the schedule brand new head coach uh, I thought yeah Duke is going to win that game that game was in Durham 
I felt like, you know, you just really didn't know what Boston College was. But they've had a combination of things go right. But it really is that defense. I mean, look at the linebacking core. Isaiah McDuffie uh, is off to a fantastic start. Max Richardson was a guy that I talked about when we were, uh, you know, looking at the schedule even way back when we had them on the schedule back in January. I was talking, you know, about him being the leader of what is a pretty veteran defense. I mean, they've got a lot of guys. Their secondary depth is just pretty much like ours. I don't know if it's quite the same talent-wise. I don't really know a whole lot about the Eagles, to be honest. Not quite like I know the Tar Heels, uh, as it should be, but uh, there's still a lot of depth there. Everybody in their secondary, every position, they have an oar next to their name. So there's either a lot of talent there, or there are some guys that are struggling, and from looking at everything we've seen so far, there's just a lot of talent there. So I think, you know, Carolina's got a test in this one. Boston College is not the team that, you know, everybody is is, is going to be ogling over, but they're still one of those teams that if you don't come prepared, especially on the offensive side of the ball for what they're going to throw at at you they can cause you some problems yeah this is Boston College they, they've got enough talent to beat really good teams they you know we've seen them doing in the past when Steve Adazio was there I'm not surprised that Halfley's got off the 2-0 start because everything coming out from their their people when he got the job and you know, he had spring ball and all that was nothing but positive I mean I know you're sure it's always gonna be positive but they were raving about the kind of culture he's gonna bring coming over from I believe it's Ohio Ohio State's where he came from I think um, and so you know, he, he brings a championship culture, a mentality that he's going to bring to a program that hasn't been nationally relevant since Matt, since Matt Ryan was there, and they're trying to get back in there. And there's it's potential with Florida State being down and Louisville showing that they're not quite ready to be at the top of that, that division again. When you get back to having the divisions in the ACC, maybe they could jump up and be a team to, to – compete against Clemson, not necessarily beat them, but at least compete with them, and that's a step in the right direction. So um, this it's going to be a challenge for this offense to to find and make plays if the offensive line doesn't help them out and, and make it easy on them. But um, nonetheless, you know, it's, 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 an, it's an ACC game on the road. Right. I don't care there's no environment. It's gonna. It's still going to be a tough game for some capacity of it, but still one that if Carolina plays at their level, they should win the ball game. One of the things that's really interesting is that this is not your typical Boston College offense. This no. is a team that is set up much differently. Uh, you, we've known them to be a team that puts power runners uh, into the NFL. I mean, remember Andre Williams was a guy that was in the Heisman race mm-hmm. at one point while he was on campus. A.J. Dillon, uh, a humongous freshman year, never really duplicated those numbers again, but was still one of the best running backs in the ACC year in and year out. They were a team that lived and died by the run. That's not this team this year. They're averaging 85 and a half yards per game on the ground. I mean, granted, you know, that Duke defensive front is, you know, probably one of the more underrated defensive fronts in the ACC. They also played Texas State and couldn't run the ball on them. They don't have a running back or even a quarterback at this point, over 100 yards rushing this season. I mean, you look at David Bailey, 26 carries, 84 yards. That's only 3.2 yards per carry. This kind of sets up well for Carolina's defense. You know, they faced a team in Syracuse that struggled to run the ball out of the gate. That helped them a lot. There, You know, again, this seems to be the same type of team, but I think so far early in the year, and again, you know, Tommy DeVito has, you know, been struggling behind what is just an abysmal offensive line. When you're starting a former a former fullback at left guard, you're going to be in a lot of trouble in the right. ACC. Um, but you know, Phil Jerkovic so far out of the gate 
hasn't been bad. I mean, 70.5% 70, completion percentage, thrown for 510 yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions. You know, decent numbers. They feel like, you know, from everything that I've seen, they found their their starting quarterback. But, you know, I think the biggest thing that Carolina has to do is, once again, we talked about winning up front on the offensive side. I think, once again, Carolina's got to be able to win up front on the defensive side, mainly in those passing situations you want to see the pressure that they were able to put against Syracuse they need to be able to bring that sort of aggressiveness once again I don't think they'll reach seven sacks but they got to make it a tough day for Jerkovic yeah you you want to make him beat you with his arm because you know you're talking about winning in the the pass game I think Carolina's because they're still going to try to establish the run game because Carolina historically can't stop the run right um, so they're still going to try to line up and try to run the ball on you. You've got to take that away early and make Phil Jerkovich try to beat you with a limited group of talented receivers and and him being in a new offense and a new system. Yep. Uh, but as you said, it still starts up front. you got to get you know what you got from Raymond Velasic. Tamari Fox had a great game against Syracuse. You want Timon Fox to show up and make some plays. So it's still going to be up front in the trenches because that's where the games have won, as, as we all know, on both sides of the ball. Because if you can make if, – if, if you got to make it towards your back seven are making plays, you feel pretty comfortable. They'll, they'll do the right job to make your defense successful to win a ball game. Yeah, and I think, you know, I, those those are the two biggest keys for me is, is winning both sides of the line. The other thing that Carolina has to do in this game uh, is take care of the football. Yeah. This Boston College team has been very optimistic on the defensive side so far early this season. Carolina with a couple of sloppy mistakes in that first game. They come in minus two in the turnover margin category. This is a team in Boston College, though, that you really don't want to give them hope opportunities. You don't want to give them opportunities to, if they can establish the run, get back to the Boston College that we're used to. Take a lot of time off the clock, shorten the game, and put you in a situation where you need every drive to count. This team has three interceptions, three fumble recoveries so far this season. They're doing everything that they have to do. Mm-hmm. Um, the biggest thing right now is, you know, can Carolina come out, take care of the football, and execute the way they have to to get a significant win? I think, uh, you know, things stack up, but taking care of the ball is the biggest is is the one of the most important things I've got to do. Yeah, you don't want to give this team that's looking for an upset any more advantages than what they're going to have playing at home. You don't want to give them short fields. You don't want to give them turnovers that lead to touchdowns, whether it's a pick six, fumble recovery, something like that. So, um, you know, Sam Howell was probably as hard on himself after that Syracuse game as anybody because he threw two picks and we thought the world was falling because we hadn't seen that <laughs> from him. Hey, we did not think the world was falling. Other I'm, people thought the world was I'm falling. I'm just saying, you know what I'm getting at. So, we you know, you were you were kind of just not going to say disappointed, but you were surprised that he threw two interceptions, especially the second one where he threw in a double coverage was a bad decision. Yep. But that, that's the thing is that when you're when you're Carolina, you're playing the favorite. You've you've got to do all these little things so much better because and if because if, let's say you have a bad day penalty wise, well that that's going to help a team that's looking to upset you. If you have a lot of penalties that you know take away big plays or you give personal fouls for first downs and and stuff like that. Turnovers are the same thing. So um, I, I think Carolina will be as prepared as they're going to be because well they've had three weeks to prepare, but you still got to go out there and execute. And we saw the struggles that you had in the first game against Syracuse, and that's going to be kind of the same thing again on Saturday. 
Saturday because, well, they haven't played in three weeks. So they're going to work through it, but you feel confident that Mac Brown's leading in the situation, not Larry Fedora. Yeah, nine penalties in the first game, and that's definitely something Carolina has got to clean up against Boston College. Uh, we'll get into our official game picks. Uh, I think, you know, Carolina, this stacks up well for them coming back off of, uh, you know, pretty much they're going to go three weeks without playing a game. Um, you know, if you were looking at any opponent that they had on their schedule, this was probably the one opponent that they could get away with playing in a situation like this. Uh, you know, it's been a pretty decent start for Boston College. Remember that this is also a Boston College team, though, that struggled uh, last week against Texas State. So Carolina should be able to come out and win this game. I think once again, you know, I think the defense shows up for Carolina. I think this will probably be a game like Syracuse where it will be close for a while, but I can see Carolina pulling away in this one. I think Carolina wins this one 27-10 over Boston College. I got to win on 28-10. So... Um, I think it'll be. There's a reason why we co-host this show together, yeah. folks. Um, I think it'll be kind of the same thing. I think Carolina will maybe do what they did in the opener, and they may take the first drive and march, march, march down the field and score a touchdown. But there will be some tough sledding. It may be a one-possession game in the fourth quarter, but I think Carolina's depth and talent will take over. They'll be able to wear them down with Javante Williams and Michael Carter in the run game and improve to 2-0 and then get ready to come back to Chapel for an all-important game against Virginia Tech. A couple of notes. Uh, injury report uh, cut that uh, we, we've seen today. You got uh, Joshua Zudu. They've said now game-time decision. Uh, so uh, we'll have to just kind of wait and see on that. I would still say it's more than more. It's more likely than not that he's going to play in this game. Uh, Dez Evans, who missed the uh, first game of the season with an upper body injury, looks like he's going to be able to go. As for the other two guys that missed uh, the season opener, not really sure about them. Ty Murray and uh, DeAndre Hollins, uh, there really hasn't been much clarification on their injury status. Uh, so, you know, we'll have to just keep an eye on them going forward. Um, the other, only other guy that's out for this game with an injury, of course, as you know, Kedrick Bingley-Jones uh, had surgery um, for a lower body injury, uh, most perceived it to be a leg injury uh, back in the spring, early summertime, uh, and is not back with the team as of right now. We're not sure if he's going to be able to return this year. They haven't really ruled him out for the year, um, but they haven't said whether or not uh, you know he is going to be able to play, so we'll kind of keep him in the injury report until we get a confirmation. Otherwise, uh, the other big storyline, I guess we can talk about this really quick about this game before we move on. Trey Morrison, first start at strong safety. I think one of the other things that Carolina's got to do in this situation, take a little bit of pressure off of him because this is a new position for him in game. He's, you know, done it in practice, but again, it's one thing to go against an offense that you see every single day right. as opposed to going against a Boston College offense that you really don't have even a lot of tape to go off mm -hmm. of. So um, I think that's one of the interesting storylines. I'm intrigued to see how he performs and also how Jaquarius Conley performs as he will now be your starter at Nickelback right. and will be on the field a lot more as well. Um, I, you know, Any real concern with Trey Morrison back there. I know, you know, he had a couple of moments where, you know, he looked a little shaky out of the gate against Syracuse. I had one blown coverage that would have been a touchdown if it wasn't overthrown. But, you know, I still think that if there was a situation that you could be very comfortable with, it would be having Trey Morrison, a veteran who was a starter as a true freshman for a reason and is making this move for a reason back there. Yeah, no. Um, not Because I think if, if they felt like it would hurt the defense at all, they would have found a different solution. Right. I, th I mean, that's the. Th I was. I I'm going to be honest. I was a little shocked that they went 
to him. I thought they would give Cameron Kelly a shot there because we saw him in the game last year, started the game against Clemson mm-hmm. after Miles Wolfolk went down with the injury against App State, and I thought he played well. Right. Um, you know, the fact that you think that Trey Morrison might be better than what he showed you there, I think is very encouraging. I also think that we will probably see a rotation. We'll, we'll see we'll see Trey move some move, move to nickelback yeah. at times too. You'll see Cameron Kelly come in, maybe even Giovanni Bigger could get back there and play a little bit. Isn't death um, a beautiful thing? I, I mean, it's 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 unbelievable. In years you. past, if you lost one guy, you, you were, were in done. trouble. I mean, remember last even, even last year, as you got later on in the year, there was a time where pretty much your nickelback was Dominique Ross playing out in space. This was a guy that when he was at Trinity Christian High School in Jacksonville, Florida, he used to rush the passer. Right. Then he now he was dropping into coverage and handling his own in mm. coverage as well. So um, to now be in a situation where I mean we could you know you could have seen Jaquarius Conley potentially starting back there. Instead he's going to stay at Nickelback, um, which I ultimately like the move from his perspective because Nickelback always feels like that type of area where if you make a mistake, there's guys behind you that can help you out. It's an area where you can learn. And also still make an impact. Whereas at at strong safety, if you make a mistake, that could be much more costly. So I, I think it makes a lot of sense. There's so many different options for Carolina, uh, and it'll be interesting. That'll be one of the things that I'm really going to be keeping an eye on, seeing how he functions out of a position that is a little bit different than the positions that he's held uh, his first few years on campus. Also pretty interesting, this is now the third position in three years for him. Right. Started at Nickelback his freshman year, played outside corner a year ago, now playing strong safety. So we'll see uh, how Trey Morrison can adjust to that. Very versatile young player, actually. Actually, kind of a similar situation to what we saw with Trey Boston when yeah. he was on campus. So we'll be interested to see how that works out. So, uh, look, while Carolina has been off, the ACC has not stopped. No. There have been plenty of games played. There have been you know teams that have gotten off to good starts. There have been teams that have gotten off to very slow starts. NC State. <laughs> Florida State. Um, Duke. Georgia Tech. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, oh, I, I – we we won't we won't spend that long on this. Um, I just have to tell you, somebody told. So I saw someone on social media. They were asking about coaches on the hot seat. Um, one, so apparently Norvell was on the sideline for Florida State with like a um, like an iPad that was on like a scooter or something that they were moving like back and forth like remotely. I don't know. They put that picture up there to say he's on the hot seat early on. <laughs> um, so, I mean, who knows? That could mean there might be a little bit of extra motivation. I- I'm wondering how much, if, if Florida State comes into that game against Carolina winless, mm-hmm. that could, you know, there there's going to be more motivation as the season goes along for them to get their first win. Um well, I got Jacksonville State, so they should win that game. Uh, somebody, I, I thought this was, you know, I was just thinking about this because you brought Duke up. Somebody said that David Cutcliffe should be on the hot seat. I That's thought that laughable. was laughable. Um, but, yeah, Dave Doran was a name that was brought up as well. It's so nice, though, to finally be out of those conversations. Mm. For years, we heard Larry Fedora, Larry Fedora. He was always a name that got brought up. It's so great to be in a situation where now you're trying to argue that we have one of the best coaches in the country instead of one of the coaches that should be checking his pants to make sure they're not on fire from how hot his seat is. Yeah. So, um, but, you know, in, in the ACC, to me, there's two teams that kind of stand out. One team 
Now, again, just played their first game of the year, but they did so without 23 guys on the roster, still won that game handedly. Uh, and then you have another team that has had high expectations for a long time, has never really lived up to them, but now seems to have found the right quarterback and is starting to build some momentum. The two teams, of course, that we're talking about, Virginia Tech and Miami. And Miami. Yeah. If I had to ask you right now, who do you think out of those two is the biggest threat to Carolina's chances to go to the ACC championship game besides Notre Dame? Uh, I'd say Miami because I've seen more of them. We've seen Virginia Tech play one game and they played NC State. That didn't even, that even really counts. Um, and, you know, you saw, you saw Miami. I know Florida State isn't Florida State. They hung 52 on them, and they did it relatively easily. He scored 35 in the first half yeah. against them. I mean, they so. they embarrassed them. And that is a game where, I mean, you look in the past few years. I mean, both Blow teams have had never their up and downs. In that series. You, it never happens because usually there is just so much bad blood that guys will always make mistakes. And this team has really gotten on the right track. I got to tell you, I was... I'm not going to say I was wrong on Manny Diaz because I'm not really sure how... That, that we can say, okay, now he's a great coach. I think there's a poten- there's potential he's been, that he could it, be it a good one coach. one year, then everyone freaked out because it's at Miami. Right. I think, you know, they overreacted to that. They will potentially overreact to this year because, look, you've got a guy in De'Ara King that – Was a Heisman uh, contender this last year he played at Houston. I, I think, you know, he's kind of a blend of Kyler Murray and Jalen Hurts. I think he's, you know, l- a little bit less athletic – than Kyler Murray, but he's that type of athlete where, I mean, there's a reason this guy had 16 straight games with a passing and rushing rushing touchdown. touchdown. He's very talented. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the bigger question was, they've tried this in the past, would it work? And it it has, out of the gate. Um, I think, yeah, they're the real deal. Um, You know, when you look at Virginia Tech, uh, I mean, look, you you won a game without 23 players, presumably the guy that you assumed was going to be your starting quarterback in Hendon Hooker. Um... And, you know, this team is really, you know, probably only going to get better when they add the guys that are supposed to come back. Uh, I know that you always like to rail on NC State on this podcast. It's yeah. probably one of the favorite things about this podcast for many Toriel fans. Um, but, I, you know, look, NC State came out, put up 45 against Wake Forest. I think there was some big concerns about what their offense would look like. Granted, Wake Forest, I had my doubts that they would be as bad as – some of these people thought they were going to be. Once they lost Sage Surratt, I think that pretty much put the nail in the coffin. That team is not good, uh, especially defensively. They are horrible. Um, So, you know, NC State was able to put up 45 on them, had some positive things offensively, but Virginia Tech dominated them in that game. I think that says something about Virginia Tech, though. Um, And, you know, I think if, if... they can get you know their quarterback situation figured out. I don't know if Hooker is their starting guy when they come back. I know they started uh, Braxton Burmeister, the transfer from Arizona, mm-hmm. in the game. Quincy Patterson came in and relieved him and had a big game as well. So um, you know I, I think that's the biggest thing. And you know the the other thing about them is is that they have been the biggest thorn in the side for Carolina here in recent memory. You know, Georgia Tech was one of those teams as well, but Carolina kind of has relieved themselves of the of that problem here in recent years uh, with the amount of success that they were able to have 
you know, from 2015 on. Uh, and then, you know, the early part here in the Mac Brown era, I think, you know, once again, they're not, we won't play them this year, but we would be heavily favored in that game as well. Virginia Tech, we've never really been able to find a way to beat them. Should have beat that team last year, lost in six overtimes. So I think as of right now, I think Virginia Tech is probably the one that you're going to circle on the counter because Carolina's had some success against Miami. Even when Miami has been pretty good in recent years, Carolina has been able to go to Miami and win games. So I'm interested to see how the Tar Heels can react to a Virginia Tech team that I think is going to be good like we expected if they can get everybody back and healthy uh, on the field. And, you know, especially with the struggles that you're having on your offensive line, if they can't get them figured out this week, I think that's going to be your big concern because we saw last year Virginia Tech dominated Carolina on the offensive line. That was when you had Charlie Heck at offensive tackle. And you still had Nick Polino that you could use. Now you don't have those mm-hmm. that that those versatile options. So I'm interested to see. But I think those are the two teams that are at least worth noting. Um, the last thing that we'll note before we get out of here, uh, of course, we got to talk about Carolina brings in uh, a new opponent. It's going to be December 11th is the scheduled date now. Western Carolina, the Catamounts coming in, of course, played them back in 2017-2018. Both down years for Carolina, but both easy wins over the Catamounts. Uh, You were the one that wrote that article on the website for us. So, uh, I mean, this is... An interesting game. I know there were people, a couple of people that, you know, I, I I know from high school were making some schneid comments about how, wow, Carolina's really going out on a limb being tested in this game. But I think this is, you know, just another chance for Carolina to bring in an opponent. It's going to help Western Carolina make a little bit of money, and it's going to add another game for your guys on the schedule where they're able to potentially get better. I think one of the things that's interesting and we're talking about, though, is... There is an option for Carolina to get out of the game. Yeah. If an ACC game has to get moved, I also wonder if Carolina was to make the ACC championship game, would they have the option of dropping that game to add extra prep time for Clemson? Because in my mind, I would rather have extra prep for Clemson than play another game against Western Carolina. Granted, a game you should win where you can risk more injuries. And, you know, really just having less time to get prepared for what looks like a national championship type Clemson team. Yeah, a couple things about this is that this was basically like a Roy Williams type movie you see from the basketball program where you're bringing in an an, an in-state opponent. You're going to help your team get better, but you're also helping a a program that uh, I don't even know Western Carolina's even playing this year. So that might be their only game. So yeah, I, I don't. Them to get, I don't know to get some money in that program. Um, so that you know, you, there was guidelines about your non-conference game that you had to do. That you followed all those. Mm-hmm. There's a big thing though that the ACC championship game is scheduled to be December 12th. There's a flexibility where it could be December 19th. I think more than but, likely they are going to have to you know, do that. So there may be a situation where Carolina could play. Has it not already gotten no. moved back, though, because no. it wasn't moved back because of Notre Dame and Wake Forest? No, nope. because uh, if it did, then Heather Dent was wrong on ESPN, what she was talking about the other day. When they rescheduled, that's the day right now for the scheduled ACC championship game. Right now it's December 12th. Mm. 
Interesting. It's, I think it probably it's going will to get pushed back. Yeah, I, I was going to say right I'd be now, very shocked. If right it now, it's scheduled to be that Saturday. How the hell are you going to play back to back days? Uh, no, 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 no. So no. Um, that's 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 not happening. They also have the the uh, the the option too. If we have another situation, we had in Charlotte with an ACC school where let's say you know Virginia Tech ain't ready to play, then they reschedule that game for December 11th. They can move Western Carolina in their schedule yep. up to when to whatever fill the void to still keep the game. If not, they got to pick a five hundred thousand dollar buyout fee, which, I mean, you don't want to have to pay that if you don't have to, but during this time of year, you understand it. So, yep. um, I, I think it was just Carolina just trying to get another game on the schedule, trying to get another uh, some more reps for their guys, and, you know, I know the thing is about you want to be rested and as fully healthy for Clemson, but you also want to be as prepared, and you can't be prepared if you only played seven or eight games. So maybe you need that ninth or tenth game to feel more confident if you're trying to go pull off the biggest one in what would be program history. So Yeah, yeah, interesting. Um, I think uh, the good thing is, is that it's a guaranteed win. Like that's, you know. You would hope, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, because if, if Mac Brown can't beat Western Carolina, there's a lot of things wrong in this world. Larry Fedora beat them and right easily. And that Western Carolina team, the one year, was an FCS contender. Yeah, they, they were the best that they have been probably since Brad Hoover was on campus. Yeah. It's been a long time since they've really been relevant. Uh, I just, you know, I thought it was interesting. I thought, uh, you know, there were a couple interesting things about it. First of all, games on a Friday. Yeah. Um, that's, so, you know, so something. We got, we got two Friday games this year. Yeah, something you rarely, you, you rarely see. Actually, yeah, two in three weeks in that span because you're going to have the Friday, the Black Friday game against, uh, against Notre Dame, mm-hmm. and then you turn around, go on the road on a Saturday at Miami to finish up the regular season, and then you'd play another Friday game against Western Carolina. Kinda, I think it's kind of weird that they scheduled it for Friday because Mac Brown was adamant after last year when they had the Friday game against Wake Forest that he doesn't want to play on Friday night because of high school football. But I guess with no well, high school football in the state this you, year. You can't go and, and – yeah. and it doesn't matter. Even the private schools, you can't go and, and attend these games. I think that, you know, with the recruiting restrictions, they are not allowed to go and attend games this year. Right. Um, which now, I, I believe the recruiting restrictions are now all the way in, – in, in place all the way until January, um, which will be past the early signing period unless they move that back. Right. Um, so, I mean, that's just – at this point, you know, that probably helps and hurts Carolina. That's, you know, that's something we discuss. We'll discuss on our recruiting podcast when we get closer to uh, December. But, um, yeah, I, you know, I don't I think that's part of the reason why. Also, one of the reasons that was given as to why this game was scheduled was the ACC network was kind of pressuring somebody to have a game that in in that time slot apparently so they should pressure them into getting uh, actual commercials and advertising oh, man yeah yeah We're, we've seen enough because i'm of tired the... of seeing cal cunningham and then infomercials oh man what what is uh oh what is the i can't remember the goggles tack tack uh Something tax something. I can't remember it. Um, it is yes. They've been playing those commercials yeah. for a year and a half now, and it is uh, it is it is unbelievable. But yeah, apparently there was some pressure from the ACC network for Carolina to play a game on that day. Uh, I don't know why. I to me that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense, especially since it's a Friday. Um, but who knows? I mean, it, we'll, we'll end up. We'll, we'll have to just wait and see. Yeah. I 
ultimately, if I had to guess now, I don't think we're going to end up probably playing that game because I think there probably will be a game that will get delayed somewhere along the way. It's kind of inevitable. We're seeing it already, you know, in the NFL. I mean, granted, we made it through the first two weeks of the year, a little bit better than baseball. Baseball didn't even make it a week and had an outbreak. But um, you you imagine that at some point something like that is going to happen. A game is going to get delayed, and Carolina will probably have to play a game uh, that week. Um, But at this this time, uh, Western Carolina is on the schedule, and of course we'll keep you updated as we go along uh, to that game. That would be the game that would finish up the regular season uh, for Carolina if that game stays on the schedule. Uh, So, you know, maybe takes a little bit of pressure off of that uh, game that you play on the road at Miami Mm -hmm. since that won't be your season finale. So that wraps it up for this edition of the Heel Tough Blog podcast. Uh, Make sure you guys head to the website, heeltoughblog.com. Some really great stuff on there. Football side of things, uh, you know, we've really been focusing on this Boston College game now. Of course, you can go back, uh, read the stuff about Diego Pound's commitment uh, from this past weekend. Uh, He committed on Friday. We had everything uh, for you on that front, so you can read his commitment article. You can go back, check out J.J. Jones' uh, scouting report article. That's a really good one that you guys can check out as well. Um, Scouted the Tar Heels 2021 three-star wide receiver commit who had uh, his first game of his senior season against Darlington High School this past week. Um, Really good read there. Make sure you guys go and check that out. Uh, On the basketball front, I know we've got some stuff going on right now. Uh, I think uh, we are recording this before it, but we're pretty safe to say that DeMarco Dunn is going to commit to Carolina. That article is up there as well, written by our guy Mark Krings. Uh, He also had you covered with the commitment preview. So uh, at this point, not really worth going back and reading that, but make sure you go back, read the commitment article. Um, And uh, also, you know, he is going to have you covered. Sky Clark set a commitment date as well. So some things starting to open up on the recruiting front for basketball. And then, of course, uh, we are how many days away from uh, the start of practice? I thought you had this memorized uh, offhand. 11. 11 days away from start practice as, as the day of recording. Practice starts uh, October 10th. There you go. Game so starting November 25th. So how about that? Carolina's basketball right around the corner. Carolina football trying to get into a rhythm here uh, with their first game in three weeks. Uh, it is going to be an extremely interesting time of year for Carolina. Big expectations for both the basketball and football teams, and we'll have you covered along the way. Meanwhile, the podcast, of course, you guys are wa- if you guys are watching here on the Facebook page, make sure that you like and uh, follow the Facebook page so that you guys don't miss an episode. Whenever we put up the episodes, it'll alert you that we have a premiere scheduled for whatever date. It'll also remind you 20 minutes before the video starts that we are going to be showing a video that night so you guys can be in, watch the entire uh, podcast live. Of course, uh, we are normally in there. There's sometimes where you know we may be doing other stuff for work or something like that, so we may not be able to be in there. But we encourage you to leave you know any sort of comment comments, questions, anything like that below. We'll be uh, watching with you so that uh, we can comment uh, on anything that you may be wondering. Um, And of course, if you're listening to it, wherever you're listening to it at, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Spreaker, any of those sites, make sure they rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Rating and reviewing is uh, helping us out, moving us up some of those rankings, but mainly helping out the people that haven't found the podcast just yet in the Tar Heel community so they can track it down, listen to all these great 
additions of the podcast. Uh, a couple of ones that we've done recently, we had the Diego Pounds commitment with me and Zach Hubbard uh, just recently, so you guys can go back listen to that one. Also, make sure that you go back, check out J.J. Jones' interview. We ended up talking to him. Uh, he talked about you know what it was like to be a part of the 2021 class, uh, his first game of the year, and also his connection with Diego Pounds that goes way back. Part of the reason why uh, they were he was such a uh, tight-knit guy with all of the Tar Heel commits uh, while they were recruiting him. So a lot of great stuff there. You guys can go back and check that out. Uh, also, when you subscribe to the podcast, you won't miss any of those episodes. Whenever they come out, they will be in your podcast player so that you can listen to them the minute that they hit the website. So we want to thank you guys for watching and listening. Got to thank my co-host Josh for uh, hosting this one with me. I know he always gets a little ins- insecure when Zach comes on and hosts a podcast, but uh, glad to always be with you guys. Uh, once again, we want to thank everybody that's helped us uh, along the way with the success of uh, this going video-wise. I mean, we've had three videos now, over a thousand, a couple other ones nearing a thousand. So you guys are just great so far, and we really thank you and appreciate you. So once again. Again, thank you guys for watching or listening to this edition of the podcast. And as always, go Tar Heels.